Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we get to look at the last Sunday of the Epiphany, or after the Epiphany, and this is Transfiguration Sunday. And this Sunday is a transitional Sunday in the sense that we're going to move from the revelation of Christ to Lent. And this is us looking in on ourselves, understanding who we are as sinners and those in need of salvation, those in need of forgiveness, those in need of God acting in and upon their lives. So the event of the transfiguration is, as you know, Jesus goes to this mountaintop and he takes with him Peter, James, and John. And there he is transfigured. And I always love saying this because it's like we're supposed to know what being transfigured means. And it means that his face, his body shone in light, his clothes were as white as light, as St. Matthew says. And it is the glory of God being manifest there in the presence of Peter, James, and John, so that they see that Jesus is not just a teacher, not just a good rabbi, but is actually the fulfillment and the fullness of what St. Peter confessed. Truly, you are the Son of the living God. And this is seen here and witnessed by these men. And on top of that, as if that was not enough, Moses and Elijah show up. And then if that wasn't enough, the voice of God speaks saying, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased, listen to him. And so there is a lot happening. So how do we prepare to hear this event? How do we apply this in what we're going to look at, hear, receive within the divine service? This is all about the forgiveness of sins. This is all about God working to and for you, revealing the fullness of Jesus and who he is. And we have this interesting thing that the amount of, or the event of the transfiguration is to prepare Peter, James, and John. They are to see this so that they go they get to go out into the world as witnesses of who Jesus is. And they get to see that it is in his glory that he will not only rule over life, but he will rule over salvation. And we see this with Moses and Elijah. Both Moses and Elijah were absolutely willing to die for their faith and their confession. In fact, Moses makes this startling statement that he would die and go to hell 
if all of Israel would be saved and rescued. He sees the need, he sees the desire for redemption, and that he was willing to take on the wrath of God so that others would live. And we know that Moses is not holy. He cannot be the sacrifice. Only Christ can be. Elijah is the same. He was the one who would prophesy. He is the one who pointed, one of the many prophets who pointed to who Jesus is and who Jesus, how Jesus would come. And we see once again that we have both prophets, Moses and Elijah, coming to speak with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration to prepare all of us to not only hear who Jesus is, but to receive who Jesus is. And this is really, really important. Because if we miss who Jesus is, well, we miss who God is. And if we miss who God is, we miss what redemption is. And if we miss what redemption is, we miss what salvation is. And if we miss what salvation is, then there is no hope. And we are truly lost. So this event is not some secret thing that Jesus and his favorite disciples sneak off to do. He does this so that we, the church, God's people, would be strengthened. We live in a horrific world. There is pain. There is suffering. There is heartache. There is death. There is the consequences of sin all around us. And Peter, James, and John, they go, and they're representing the congregation, representing Israel, representing people. They go and they stand before God in the horrific events of life. They've had their lives threatened. They've seen Jesus do these miraculous things, and the very people he has come to redeem have rejected him again and again and again. And Jesus takes them and reveals to them who he is. He is the promised one. He is the Messiah. He is the Redeemer. He is God incarnate, God in the flesh. And again, we see Moses and Elijah. And I like the idea that Moses is representing the law and Elijah is representing the prophets. So this is the Old Testament. And then you got Jesus in the middle. And it is this kind of picture that Jesus is the full fulfillment of the law. And by Moses speaking to Jesus, this is the giving of the law upon Jesus. Jesus is taking the law and completing it and fulfilling it and doing what we are unable to do. And then on top of that, we have Elijah being the representative of all the prophets. And every prophet pointed to Jesus, pointed to the promise of the coming Messiah. And so Elijah showing up is pointing to Jesus as the fulfillment of everything he preached, everything that he prophesied, everything that he gave to the hearers in the Old Testament, all the Hebrews, the Israelites. And so we see that the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of the prophets is standing before Peter, James, and John, and you. And he is being 
revealed. He is being shown in his glory so that people know, again, that he's not just a good teacher, not a good ra- just a good rabbi, but that he is God. He is the promised Messiah, the Son of the living God. And this is done for you. And so right now we see the fulfillment of the Old Testament right there. But there's even more. This is to prepare you for confession. And this is not just confession of sin. If you want to do that, please take advantage of that. But it is the confession of faith, the statement of saying that you trust your salvation into the hands of the only one who can redeem you, the only one who can pay the cost to bring you out of the depths of your sin, out of the depths of your death. And this is what faith is all about. And faith, again, is a work of God revealing and showing this is the only place, this is the only person, this is the only way we can have salvation, we can have hope, we can have forever and ever in the presence of God in the new heaven, the new earth in the resurrection. And so Peter, James, and John are being prepared for the life that is to come. And this is a double meaning, so to speak. This is the life after Jesus' resurrection. So they are going to take this gospel out into the world, and they need to be prepared, literally, to meet their death. They are going to lose their life in Christ, to have life everlasting. This is what Jesus says. If you want to follow me, pick up your cross and lose your life. But whoever wants to keep their life has lost eternal life. And again, that's just a a paraphrase summary of what Jesus has said. And so here, Peter, James, and John see that their lives are lost in Christ, to gain life everlasting, to be strengthened, to be fortified in the promise that Jesus is the one who has been promised all the way since Genesis, the one who would come to redeem, the one who would come to make right what we have messed up. All of this is laid right before them. And then again, there's more. A cloud enveloped. Well, before we get to the cloud, I love St. Peter. St. Peter would be my patron saint if I had a patron saint. And the simple fact that he wants to do what's right. He wants to do what's good. So with good intentions, in the midst of seeing this miraculous event of Jesus being shiny, being bright, having the glory of God in of himself being shown uh, in front of them, and then Moses and Elijah showing up, He offers to make tents. He offers to give shelter to Jesus, to Moses, to Elijah. Now, this is one of those polite things. St. Peter doesn't know what to do, and we should not fault him for that. Because how often have you stood before God and known what to say, known what to do? Uh, How many awkward situations have you been in where you do something silly or say the the first thing that comes to mind or or do something like what I do? Uh, 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 And you know, the whole shrug and you're just searching for the right thing to say and do. 
Peter offers this very earthly thing. And I think there's some theological implications to this also. To offer tents to Moses, to Elijah, and to Jesus, it is almost as if Peter is saying, I recognize that this is something special and I want to capture it. I want to keep it. I want to be right here, and I want to learn from Moses, the lawgiver. I want to learn from Elijah, the prophet of the Most High, and, of course, from Jesus, the Son of the living God. I want to stay here. Now, this is great, and I, I get it. It's like coming to church, and you get to hear all these great things. You get to receive the forgiveness of sins. You get to hear the love, the depths of the love of God. And this is amazing. This is great. And it's called sanctuary for a reason, because you're safe. You get a respite from the world, from your to-do list, from the chores, from all the things that you have to do in life. You get to take a break and receive God's gift. Peter, James, and John are doing this right now. They are receiving this miracle before God. And Peter picks up on this and says, I want to stay here. I want to be in this constant place of reception. But Jesus won't have anything or won't have that take place. And that's not in a bad way, but it's the idea that Peter, James, John, the rest of the disciples, you and me, the continuation of the church and the disciples, we have things to do. We actually get to participate in this life, in this work. We get to receive so that we get to go out into the world pointing people to what has been revealed to us. The Messiah has come. Salvation is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Come and hear. Come and see. Come and receive. But this is now all at invitation. This means that we are to go out into the world to testify, to bear witness, to tell other people about what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have given, been given, instead of just sitting in the pew and receiving. And this is hard because, again, I like the idea that God just does everything with or without me. And with that, it means I can't mess up because it's all on God. But God has called us to be more than just the ones who receive. We are to live this out. We are to be participants of these gifts, of this life. And so that is why Jesus doesn't take up the offer, hey, that'd be great. I would like this kind of tent and make sure that Moses has a tent and Elijah has a tent. No, nothing like that, because we see and hear that this cloud envelops all everyone, and we hear the voice of God. This is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. Listen to him. And again, we're hearing that God the Father is telling us, telling Peter, James, and John of what is happening here. This is my son, who is my word, who is my imprint, who is my representative, who is my everything. Listen to him. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. If you see me, you have seen the Father. If you receive me, you received the Father. All of this is happening right there before Peter, James, and John, and before us. 
And we are gifted with this knowledge. We are gifted with this faith. We are gifted with this life to be lived out instead of just holding it or keeping it secret or just putting it in the corner and using it when we so see fit. This actually becomes our identity. This becomes who and what we are, the people of God who have received God, who have li- who are living in God. And, and I can't stress this enough because it's so easy to get overwhelmed by the world. It's so easy to get overwhelmed by the things that we should be doing, good things that we should be doing. But how are these good things reflecting and showing forth the gift of Christ crucified, Christ's resurrection, and Christ's ascension and life forevermore that we have been brought into? Again, this changes who and what we are. We're no longer just the ones who sit to receive, but we get to stand, walk, run, and go out into the world praising and thanking God that we have been redeemed, that Christ has come to and for us. Transfiguration Sunday is the light that will carry us through Lent. We get to see the glory of God, which exposes our sin, exposes our weakness, and exposes the depth of God's love. We get to focus our eyes, our faith, our life upon what has been given to us in Jesus. And because we have this great and wondrous gift, we get to trust and know in the sure and certain hope that we will be taken care of in this life unto the life that is to come. And all of this is right there for us. Jesus prepares you for life everlasting. This is why he gives you baptism. This is why he gives you the Lord's Supper. This is why he gives you preaching. This is why he gives you Bible study. This is why he gives you the Bible. This is why he gives you hymnody. This is why he gives you the liturgy. This is why he gives you the church. This is why he gives you Sunday school teachers. This is why he gives you pastors. This is why he gives you Christian friends. This is why he gives you himself in and through all these gifts. Let us get out of the way of God's great and wondrous work. And that is hard, because if you're anything like me, you want to reason this. You want to explain it. You want to be a part of it. If not, just take it over. Because after all, who knows your life better than you, the one who is living it, the one who is doing it? And again, this is where Jesus changes everything and messes it up because he comes to mess up your life in sin so that you will have the peace of God, the peace of his life, the restoration, the reconciliation, the fullness of his love that we get to look upon him knowing that the wrath we deserve has been taken away, and that his glory shines upon us in his mercy, in his grace, and in his love. This is what transfiguration reveals to us, especially as we enter into this penitential season where we look upon our sins. And when we realize our sins, when we take heed 
when we see the depths of our sins and take them serious, we get to run to the mercy of Christ our Lord, who has come for you, who has come for me. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.